Hello. Hi, John. Oh, hello, Marlon. How's it going? Well, <clears throat> hmm. I, I can't really account for this low-key voice oh. I'm using because I, I don't feel especially low-key. Hmm. I've tried it for of, a while, see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, it's. I guess it's one thing you could feel jazzed and be super, super chill. Hmm. It's got a little bit of Oregon public radio to it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Did you ever think, did you ever think, did you ever think mm-hmm. about um, being one of those people that is like really soft-spoken and slow in your, in your speaking manner and how the, that would change yeah. your life? For real? Yeah. Absolutely. I've even tried it on like a suit jacket. I've tried it sometimes. Yeah. I've had, I had different versions of that. There's the one, hang on, <clears throat> let me get back in character. Yeah. I've had one version of that where I just say, stop talking so much and maybe stop talking to yourself or to others well i've written it down like for example uh, mm. when i record a different show where, where i have a habit of um well talking. my mind races even faster than here probably come so on nice today program and oh so, sure 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 yeah well i had to, i finally wrote a note to myself and it says follow scott's lead and, and stop talking all the time <laughs> don't you know i mean i get you know what it is i get a little bit robin williams you get going you do get, get going. going. Like when you watch Robin Williams, as I think we've discussed here, when you watch on Carson, you watch Robin Williams with Jonathan Winters, he's so thirsty. Yes. And that's me. I'm, I'm so thirsty. I really want to impress the Jonathan Winters in my life. There's a, there's a, uh, I don't know. I, I think over the years I've recognized that soft-spoken people, cowboys maybe. Ooh, yeah. Um, you know, cowboys, they hardly say anything. Yeah, real taciturn. They're out there on the range. They got their dry. They got the little doggies. Hmm. They what do they all? What do they say to the, the, the doggies, doggies that they make get along? Yeah, they just say get along. That's all they have to say to them. Or they might just say get, get, yeah. That's very. It's very effective. Well, and so and they I, say they say if you want somebody to listen to you, you should speak quietly. Well, I know, but that can be psycho. I mean, I know you've no, you've no, you know people like that that are just like like a low what? talker. Yeah, what I'm going to murder you right now. Yeah, yeah. But I really do feel so many times in my life that if I just had talked less, Ugh, yes. that maybe it all would have turned out differently. Well, I hate to admit it, but I think you're right. I, th- right? I think you're. I, I mean, I I think you're definitely right in the sense of I have wondered. But further to that, yeah, I don't yeah. need to say everything all the time. No, there were so many times when it was just. If I could go back and just say, like, and scene, stop talking now. Oh, okay. blackout. Mm-hmm. All right, stop talking now. All right, no, 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 no. No, you're, one, you're two sentences past the line, but you could still save it. Stop talking now. It, you know, it's no. a good syllable for that if you just want to try it. No, not you, but the listener or me is, uh, is, <clears throat> is the syllable. Hmm. <laughs> I do that so much now. <laughs> oh, I do it so I Obviously, it's, I don't know if it's a bit, but it's, it's very effective. Because I feel like that's... Um, that's that's a pregnant syllable. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Jeez. That's uh, true. That wasn't see, funny. Oh, see, it's good though. It's we good. should be serious. We should be more serious. We're grown men. We're grown you, men. We should be serious. We we shouldn't talk as much. I the should two be of like, us should be. But like, I'm always. I always feel like. I feel like the dad. I feel like you know. I see a dad in a flashback. You know, yeah. like uh, yeah. like we've been watching the TV show uh, BoJack Horseman. 
a you flashback, see a flashback to his dad. And the dad is always where you look at a dad in like a good fellas. Or you look yeah. at a dad. It's always, I mean, setting aside the hitting the child with the belt. There is sure, always sure. this taciturn cowboy dad. I, that is, that is not me. I'm not stern. I'm not no. taciturn. I deliver sick burns. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a steward rhyming and stealing. You have some of the sickest burns, in fact. I guess so. But you're, you know what? Maybe this should be something I try again. It's not too late, is it? Is it too late? My feeling about it, you know, my dad wasn't very taciturn, but um, but my feeling is always that I should turn the taciturnity out at the world. Mm-hmm. You know, like here between you and me and our little bubble, we can be chatty. We can be, you know, kind of light and uh, light on our feet, light in our loafers even. Mm, I would do that. But to be out in the world, you should be, you know, flinty. And you know, have a have a chair root, and oh, get, and you get a real real crisp delivery, and you say stuff like "Thank you, ma'am." Yeah, right. I would just leave them guessing. You know, leave them wanting more. People turn and they look at you and they go, yes. what's Merlin thinking?" And no one can no discern. One knows. What, yeah, and you just live. You just live with this uh, this ethos that I'm gonna call "Let them wonder." Let them wonder. Let them wonder. Yeah, they you don't have to know when everything. You speak, somebody said it might have been Lyndon Johnson. No, probably not. Might might have been uh, is a Webster, but someone mm. says you know better to be silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt or similar. Yes, I remember the first time I read that quote, it really struck me because I don't think at that point I had ever been silent or it had occurred to me to be silent, and I was like, huh? Do you, am I, I the, uh, if you don't if you look around the room and and don't see the fool, is it you? Is it me? I don't know. I feel like there's limitations to that, but I, it is definitely a thought technology worth considering. I, I'm not, I don't know. I don't think this is as true for us. And I'll give some examples and counterexamples. I think one thing, and mm. I think this, this no. leads in, this is, this leads into my larger Velton Shong about men and their fear of being unappreciated and alone. I think people are scared of dead air. As we used to call it in radio, people people don't like people are uncomfortable with uh, w- with silences. Well, yes. well, I'm not saying it's us, but don't you think that part of part of the and I'm doing it right now, you get to be what they call a nervous talker, and like think about it in a negotiation. Maybe you're talking to a plumber or your contractor's contractor, in your instance, and like there are times where it would really be beneficial to just go, hmm. <laughs> you, you do that? You, I've seen you do that. I saw you do that in a transaction once that still makes me shit myself at night before <laughs> before you really opened both barrels. And, and Sean Nelson and I were hiding behind a tire, if memory serves, because we were so scared. You know, you and I are different in, in, mm-hmm. in that regard. Like hmm. you, you definitely don't like dead air in a way that I'm comfortable with a certain amount of dead air mm-hmm. because I like to... I like to let other people hoist themselves by their own petard, if mm-hmm. possible. You'd even lend like, them a petard. That'd be I a nice would. one. I'd say, do you need a petard? I have I one have right here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, but you, like, you have the, the, you look nice today thing. You guys definitely go and then all of a sudden you're just a comet arcing across the sky and there's, you know, there's no dead air. Nobody could get in there. Well, there's, you know, you know a, a I, yeah, but poor there. Adam, you know, Adam, who is the cowboy, Adam brings the motherfucking sure. ruckus because sure. he will come in the side door with a package that nobody ordered and you go, everything just changed. 
Yeah, he's the George Harrison of the group. He just he, oh, he just, oh, when he that, slips does it that in there, the Paul. That makes me the Paul. Uh, he, ooh, well, I don't know. Isn't Scott the Paul? Probably the best guitar player in the band. Don't you think? Don't you think you might be the John? I might be the John. I could be the Ringo. If you don't know who the Ringo is, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the Ringo is Bimo. Oh my God! You're killing me. You're <laughs> killing me with this. Peeing. Peeing. Leave it. Oh, oh, Bimo. How did you it. get so pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> who's the mother? Oh, who's the father? <laughs> See, now I'm filling air with the BMO song where BMO has an egg yeah. taped to, to yeah. their front. I know. Yeah. I was, you do. I, and the, well, yeah, hmm. when I said, when I said, leave it, when I said, zip, yeah, you, 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 you didn't, you didn't leave it. You let because it. Because I'm a nervous, you let I'm it a nervous talker and I, I love it so much. And that's a song I sing to myself a lot. You know what? I'm going to do this. I think this would make, I don't know if this would make for good podcasting. Now, for example, I don't like to talk about the show on the show. But no, given no, no, that no, this course. is the show, it's what's in it. Like, for example, the episode, you probably don't remember this, the episode, episode rec- we recorded last week is one of those occasional, I like to think two or three times a year episodes that I treasure. That is what I like <laughs> to call Roderick on the line in hard mode, as we say in video hmm. games. I have no recollection of it. What, it's what fine. Happened? Oh, we, got, we had a lot of fun. Uh, we got Are you talking a, about the Beatles? Not as much as I would like. Um, let me go look. So, um, let's see here. Would it be helpful if I told you some, um, alternate, uh, uh, uh alternative titles for last week? Oh yeah. Good. Well, hit me. Let's see if it. Okay. It, it ended up being, me. it's episode 421, uh, my mom's Ohio. Yeah. Alternative titles that I captured include the Chekhov teen years, Wyatt Irping it, tut tutting, and uh, a passe uh, with with a uh, with a, a ligature and aftermarket alligators, and we we covered a lot of territory, and I think obviously helped a lot of people. Is that the kind of episode you want to start Roderick on the line? Now I'm not saying this one's any better because this sounds like Oregon Public Radio, but yeah, but I you know I like exploring those. you know we're exploring um, well we're exploring our 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 friendship our masculinity we're exploring mm. our voices yes. Voices. You know, like you, <clears throat> you and I have voices that are capable of many different registers, many different tonalities. And I've heard you sing get... high. I've heard you sing high at that beginning of car parts. So I always think it's Sean, but it's you. Well, you know, the funny thing about the singing is that um, if you listen to some of the great singers, they're not they're not putting it all out there. They've got they've got so much they've got so much in the fridge. Oh. They've got. They've got like one of those chest freezers in the garage. Just because they give you a shot glass of Sunny D, don't assume that's the entirety of their stock. There's things in those refrigerators, in the refrigerator you may not see for 20 years because they're not a nervous singer. They'll give you what you need. They'll take out just enough to beat you. Exactly. But mm-hmm. uh, but meanwhile, I'm over here and I'm stacking yeah. pallets of tab in your trunk. Oh, God. You know, I'm like, the top. Yeah. 24 more tab, 24 more tab. Taking it it's off, like boss. Putting it in, boss. This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash supertrain. And I do encourage you to go there and to learn more about Squarespace. But like, what else do you need to know? It's Squarespace. You go, you make a website. You know, you can make a site like Roderick on the Line, you know. You, you go there. There's so many things you can do with Squarespace. 
you know, in the main, you're going to be creating a beautiful website to turn your cool idea into your very own new home on the web. You can showcase your work. You can publish a blog or uh, have other kinds of content. You know, galleries, real easy. You can sell products and services of all kinds. You can promote your physical or online business. You can even announce an upcoming event or special project. It's your Squarespace. Do what you want. You know, they, they can just have that. That's a freebie. How do they do it? Well, they do this by giving you beautiful templates created by world-class designers, powerful e-commerce functionality that lets you sell anything online. Of course, you get the ability to customize the look and feel, settings, products, anything. In just a few clicks. You click, you drag, it's Squarespace. J go Squarespace. Of course, everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box, you know? You get a new way to buy domains. You can choose from over 200 right. oh, domain name extensions. That's so many extensions. They have analytics that will help you to grow in real time. Built-in search engine optimization. Free and secure hosting with nothing to patch or upgrade ever. And if you ever find yourself in a jam, not to worry. They have their 24 by 7 award-winning customer support. They're encouraging folks to make it. Just go. You make it. You make it with Squarespace. And I did it. I've been making stuff with Squarespace for, brr, I don't even know how long. Real long time. Longer than this show's been around. You know? I, I can tell you because Roderick on the Line has always been hosted on Squarespace. You're using it right now. Just look around you. It's Squarespace. So, you know, please go check it out. It's a, it's a, it's a really great service. I love using the site. You know, I find myself here on Monday, uh, April 19th, working with Squarespace, talking about Squarespace. And uh, it, it makes me really happy. I think you're going to enjoy it. Get out of the webmaster business. Get yourself a site with Squarespace. How do you do that? Well, you go right now. You go to squarespace.com slash supertrain. You get a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use our very special offer code supertrain. That is going to save you 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Oh, love these folks. They've been great to us. And they're being great to you right now. Squarespace.com slash supertrain. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. And that's, right, you know, right. why don't I have a chest uh, a chest freezer that's full of, full of uh, like, hard frozen Sunny D? I, Sunny D is disgusting. It's for such one. a bad idea. But why, why, you know, wh where's all my hamburger? Where's the, where, yeah. where are the king salmon that I'm going to. You're talking about keeping get? your powder dry? Well, a little bit. Like, yeah. like if I just, if I approach the microphone like this every mm. day. Yeah. And I, you know, I didn't have to bring all this in. I could just be like this. See, it's just I, as, I, it's, I, I, it's emphatic. It's like uh, gentle. It's nice. It's, it is. And like, you have to listen because it's on. Like public radio, but you know, I don't know. It, it seems to me you're probably not a huge listener of podcasts. You surprised me with the, you know, sure. and Jake thing a little bit. But the sure. it, 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 here's the thing: a lot of things that people consider a pod, and this is not interesting, but a lot of people what they consider a podcast now is basically just people reading something with music, and really? they read it. And and the thing is, if you're reading something with music, or you're doing like like super tight format stuff, you could say, and your second article in the new yorker shot some murmurs was a depiction of the use of negative space in the modern theater you know and you can say stuff like that now if you and i did a whole podcast like this all the time i think we would somehow and probably have even fewer listeners because this is not good i mean well, it is good because we're taking a little break we're taking a little vacation from yeah, the usual yeah. you know <laughs> i gotta work on my whistling sure sure can you do it yeah. do it do it Okay, that's well, another one. Okay, that's another one. I feel like like 
you're good. God, I wish I could whistle well. <laughs> I've lost a lot of my plasticity, I think, but like this, oh, a lot of, you know, a, a lot of references in life that go back to the movie MASH and, and for me. Mm. And when I make mm. these references, um, people don't recognize them. Two of my most common references that people don't get is, <clears throat> I got to really get, hang on, I'm going to have a sip of water. Mm. Go ahead. Go ahead. Get in character. Do you remember the way Captain Pierce, remember the way Hawkeye whistles? Uh, uh, lay it on me. He goes like, it goes something like this. Oh, wait, that might be Mr. Fox. But he does he does this mm. whistle that's like a, oh, buddy, kind of uh-huh. like. I think that might be Mr. Fox. But the other one, as I say a lot, that, that has no provenance, I think, apart from the movie MASH, possibly the novel MASH, is the prose from Dover. I say that a lot, and people don't recognize what I'm talking about. It's one of the rare things where if you go and Google that, you, you'll probably be confused. But I, I well, take I thought, a lot I thought of you were going to say it was one of the rare things that you say that people don't understand the provenance. Don't understand the provenance? You can Google anything. You know, or or, or DuckDuckGo, you just won't find anything. Uh, I, I don't I know. know. Is is our if if we talk like is this is this a some sort of like male equivalent of vocal fry? <gasps> if I get down here, is it like when am you, I? So are you trying to do low, or just we're trying to do like sort of like a Michael Barbaro? You wouldn't know him. The guy does the daily. He 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 does a thing that is it gets funnier and sillier all the time where he gets more and more dramatic. The question becomes, hmm. let's say if we're hmm. going to walk backwards into this particular alcove, if yeah. we did speak like this kind of all the time, right. what kind of show would be good for this kind of speaking in your opinion? Given especially as an outsider who's not a big listener of podcasts. You hear got two guys talking like this what do you think it's going to be about? Oh, maybe it's going to be about men's health issues. Well, see, so I think you're bringing a lot to it because mm. you listen to other media. Yeah. Um, because you hear these voices and you associate them with things. Whereas mm. I am coming at it just from a place of trying to identify the physicality in myself. Like what is inspiring oh, you're, me? You're locating it. It's what you're doing. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you about uh, any kind of like interesting story in America's heartland. Yeah. I'm just yeah, got a prostate trying, like a Brazil nut. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to like keep a little bit of powder dry. Keep the powder dry. And, mm. and the thing is that when you do that, it turns out, see that when I try to sing more quietly, cause I'm not whispering right now, Mm-mm. I'm doing the, I'm doing the thing. So my sister and I, mm-hmm. She and I grew up where there were certain conversations that she and I had to have in this tone of voice. Oh, because of divorce? And just because of the people around us. You know, she and I are siblings. Siblings develop like, you know, little little codes and keys or whatever it is that they do. But Susan and I, and we, we've only noticed this recently because, because people call us out on it. Mm-hmm. Um if the two of us are standing together in a room full of people, she and I will just go down into this mode and we'll just start talking to each other like this. And really other people in that's the one of your codes and keys is you slip into the, uh, the OPB style. We're just way down. Mm-hmm. And, but we're standing, we're just, we're at the party. We're the same people, you know, we're, we look like we're people at the party, but if you are anywhere around us, you can't quite make out what we're saying. And and we do it. It's not that we're telling secrets. It's that we're just, mm. we just go into like private mode. I'm not even there. And it makes you seem so much more interesting. Well, and, but, but the, what's infuriating to other people that we know mm-hmm. is they're like, what are you talking about? Because mm-hmm. it sounds like we're talking, it sounds like we've gone into a mode where we're like this guy over here standing by the door. Uh. 
He's like, he owes me 40 bucks. And when he walks over here, just wait. You just watch what I'm going to say. Uh-huh. Like it's set. We're talking that way. Uh-huh. But but we're just. Kind of like maybe like the way Littlefinger would talk. Like some way of like where you got, you got some kind of like um, behind the scenes thing you're working on. It makes people, if they know you, it makes them a little suspicious. Like, huh, John doesn't usually talk like Oregon Public Radio. So there right. must be something up. And that Susan, you know, she's a, she's, a, she's a loose cannon. Right. It's a little bit of a little finger where I'm like, mm-hmm. where I'm handing her a poison knife in a, in a, oh, wrapped yeah, in a burlap so... sack. And I'm like, here's, leave here's it, what I need you to it, do. Leave it. See, I was going <laughs> to say John and Danny, but I really mm-hmm. don't like that season. Okay. Okay. Take the golden Ann and give it to Stan. Okay. Put it in the van. Take it I to the see. Van. Make things right with the onion night. Call so what I, I wish I had Bannerman just for what it's worth. But on a show, well, you do. You yeah. do. You just don't. The thing is, yeah, you I'm have not like, Bannerman. I don't have you the just ban- don't, banner, banner they that some people have. No, you just don't want to accept them. The Bannerman keeps showing up and you're like, no, thank you. But they've, 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 they've declared me king of the north and they've supported my house for thousands of years. I mean, I call upon them. It's mm. not about these petty squabbles anymore. You, you call upon them, but then when they arrive, you like you, you bar the door. Oh, you, I see yell, what you're you saying, because my, sig- my sigil has uh, Holden Caulfield smoking a cigarette you, on You it. yell down from the tower, <laughs> not, not today. <laughs> Come again. Bitch, I love But I'm saying that uh, <laughs> okay. the, the, what's intriguing <laughs> about this is leave that it, leave it. these microphones that we have, and this yeah. is the thing I learned about singing, right? Microphones do all the heavy lifting. They you go back and you watch that making of for company and it's amazing well, anything really anything and you're like how how are you not closer to the microphone like like right now my, my mouth is, is pretty close to the microphone uh, I get proximity effect is that what i'm talking about what am i talking about uh, well there's pro- proximity effect but even even just le- leaving out any of the effects it's okay. just that the microphone doesn't in this instance at least when we're when most people are listening to us either on headphones or, I mean, there are a few people who listen to the show while they're doing the dishes. And right now, they're they're kind of not into this. Right. Because they're like, yeah. speak up. It's the way but it the, should be. That's the way they should be mad right now. They should appreciate what they had. The people that are listening to this as they go to sleep at night. Fact, fact like, checking. John, fact checking and, and quiet speaking are killing podcasts. It's got to stop. But, oh, wait a minute. Tell me more about fact checking. Well, Don't, you that, know, that it's the kind like of thing where people would say, if you have the sort of discursive program that you and I have had for over 10 years, where you usually don't speak like this and you say a lot of shit, and sometimes you say something wrong and people are like, mm, so actually, you know, uh, uh, I don't have a bit here. But like you, you did the mm-hmm. thing wrong. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll unpublish the episode and I'll fix it. You know, mm. it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's like, you know what it is? It's like sports. It's like the Monday morning quarterbacks sitting there in their Barca lounger. Oh, the Barca lounger. Yelling orders and boy, that umpire should get kicked through the goalposts of life or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you know what? You weren't on the field that day, buddy. Hey. You know what I'm saying? I do feel like somewhere along the line, very long time before podcasting, yeah. I, I, um, I understood that uh, as, my, as my friend Jesse likes to say – um, she's, uh, she's often, what does she say? She's often not right, but she's never wrong. Well, that's a good distinction. And I, um, I, I think I established, uh, 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 with, you know, with my, with my circle of friends that, that it was possible that I was not right, yeah. but I was 
I was not wrong. Oh boy, well, that that's a that's a really interesting thought technology, and I wish more people would uh, would think on that. Yeah. So I so you by can the be time... you can be not right without being wrong. Yes. And so a long time ago, even before I started uh, doing this show with you. See, and listen, you hear my, my voice just got right, started yeah, to fill up with amazing. I'm, I'm, now, now the weird part is I'm not doing dishes, but I am very, I'm very drawn into whatever comes next. Yeah, what the heck was I? Why, why did I all of a sudden get all so animated? But I don't know. Should but, I drop in some music here? No, no, we're cool. We're cool. Okay. But I, I think among my friends, it was understood that I didn't have to be right in order not to be wrong. <laughs> and that was very liberating. For me, and I think for my friends, because sure. no one ever, people stopped feeling like they needed. It lets everybody to, off the hook. Yeah. They didn't need to correct me. No. They, because it was clear that I wasn't right, mm -hmm. but mm. they also could enjoy the fact that I wasn't wrong. And that then on this show, I mean, I just sort of have always been somewhat in a Roderick on the line bubble. Uh, in the sense that our listeners recognize that that uh, we're often not right, mm, yeah. but but we're very seldom wrong. That's true. And now I actually do a show where where the whole premise is that we're both right and not wrong, mm. and yet I'm often not right. And right. there's just like it just I'm just I'm covered in I'm covered in a Teflon of never being wrong even when I'm totally not right. And it's been great. It's great. I, I wake wish up in more the morning people, and I'm like, I wish more people would acknowledge that. And I wish more people would appreciate and potentially embrace that because I don't like talking about the internet, but this is a problem with the internet and mm. the lack of context is that any of those Barker lounger, you know, commentators can come mm. dive bombing in and find something on Wikia on fandom.wikia.biz where they can come in and, and they, can, uh, they can set you straight because so important to them is the idea of being right. Excuse me. So important to them is the idea of being right that they potentially mm. get kind of close to being a little bit wrong. Oh, oh, they can be right and be completely wrong. That's, that's important. The, that's number that's two. The incredible thing about the internet, people are writing me all the time and saying like, you're, you know, here and they're right, but they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also like, I, I, I guess I'm thinking about this because uh, I think about this for lots of reasons, but including things you and I have talked about. But there are various ways that uh, there are words that one can use or word like things to how do you put this? I think I would stipulate that the following words do not mean precisely the same thing. Um, this is an array separated by, by commas. Ready? Yes. Mm -hmm. Correct. Affirmative. Uh, Roger. Roger. Um, uh, I think so. Uh huh. So, like, like when a lot of times you ask a nerd a thing, they, sure. you ask them a question, and a nerd, a nerd might say, "Correct." Right. Or like, I. It doesn't mean I agree with you. Oh well, the the I was just doing it. The number one way I do that is go right. <gasps> That's good, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And that just, that just affirms. No, that, none of those are hell yes. No, well, that affirms that you understand what the person means when they're saying what they're saying. And your it ellipsis tells them. 
you you have my attention. Yeah. What's next in this little chain in your in your anecdote or your your the case that you're making? Yeah, right. But I have I have not signed off on anything they're saying. Yeah, they could be uh-huh. sitting there like that. The coronavirus was invented by the CIA, and I could go right, right, right. Ergo, and and I'm just yeah. That ellipses is just those those periods stretch on to infinity. Mm. And yet there's no, it's, you know, it's depending on who the bystander is that's listening in on the conversation, that right could mean a lot of things. Well, I've been watching this, uh, actually it's on in the background right now, but I've been watching a, a court case that's been happening in, um, in Minnesota with mm-hmm. interest. And I do notice that I, I, as somebody who's had a little bit of background with prepping people to make appearances in court, it used to be my job a million years ago. I, I know the part of the training that you do with people the most basic training is like, you know, show up clean, like look good, wear a clean shirt, you know, don't be goofy, get up there, speak clearly. And when people ask you a question, you have to answer audibly with a word. You can't say nuh-uh or shake your head. You're supposed to say, is your name John Morgan Roderick? And you say, yes, or affirmative or affirmative or ahoy, ahoy. Roger. yeah, you got to say words. And then sometimes the lawyers are going, no, it's pretty crazy in here. Everybody's wearing masks and there's these, all this plexiglass up. But could you please answer, you know, in a way that we could all hear you, you know, with a word. So the reason I say that here is there's a lot of that going on with these witnesses, especially the expert witnesses. And they're extra smart because they know, for example, let's, okay, let's, say, let's say I'm this guy with the glasses who's doing his closing argument right now. And I say to you something like, um, the, uh, on the events of uh, May D, you know, 2020, blah, 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 uh, fact stipulated. Do you have, do you, have you formed an opinion about that? Right? And, and the person says, they, they don't jump into the opinion. What do they do? They say, yes. 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 And then that they pause a little and they say yes, which is very different from blah, 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 blah. right? Right. Blah, 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 blah. It's not an expert witness thing to say. You wait and you pause and then the lawyer says to you, because you got to like connect every dot. And then the lawyer says to you, could, could you uh, tell us, you know, the, the opinion? And, and uh, they, maybe they say yes, because they're really going to drag this out. <laughs> yeah, they squint their eyes and they, they chew on their cheroot. So if I yes. say to you, the report that was filled out by thus and such officer states that XYZ event happened at 8.02 p.m. And you say, correct. Now, that doesn't mean you, you uh, that's what the report says. That's it doesn't right. mean you agree with what happened. No. It doesn't mean you even like the person who filed the report, right? Because no. I agree with that is not the same as you just said a thing that's true. Right. Does that mean, is there, am I, am I putting too fine a point on this? No, it, but it is, <clears throat> It is, I think. Um, Some truths are bigger than others, like Morrissey says. Well, we all have all, uh, we all wow. have different roles to play, and for instance, my I have never felt my role in a in a situation with other people was to uh, call them out when they are wrong. <laughs> Me like. Me neither. What do I get? What do I get stick about it? But you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. I will sit and I'll well, sit. A certain and mutual friend will, will will text me while he's listening to the program to let me know all <laughs> the things that I know you said, and I yeah. know you said that were either not right or were not right enough. Right. First not of all, right because enough. this person who I shall, shall remain nameless, right, is extremely broken inside. 
Yeah. And 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 loves to play uh, a game of uh, whack the pinata, where you just keep telling somebody what they did wrong, and then you say, "How about this? How about this?" And you never get it right because there was no pinata the whole time. I no, was, no pinata. The John Syracuse stories. It goes on. Oh yeah, you, you said you weren't going to name him. I didn't. Go ahead. I I will sit and listen to somebody say very terrible things mm-hmm. in a public context, not just me and the person in an elevator, but. And mm-hmm. I'll sit in. This, this goes in beyond an Uber and a, a Lyft. You could be somewhere where you're exposed to somebody who's uh, just saying a bunch of shit. Yeah, and I'll and I go, hmm, uh huh, uh huh. The other day, I had so my cousin Alfie is a cement contractor in Kitsap <laughs> County. Okay, and Alfie, um, Alfie came over not very long ago. Alfie is is uh, the cousin that is the closest to me in age, and. Alfie's mother, Mary Ellen, was actually my dad's cousin. So Alfie is my second cousin mm-hmm. once removed or something. Can you do like that in your head? I always need the diagram to do that. No, and I'm not even sure I got it right. But okay, whatever. It's fine. We never know. But but as far as cousins go, he's the one that I would point to and go like he he qualifies in my family as like a cousin. Like I've got mm-hmm. I've got Oh, the I've way got, you could have like an uncle. Well, I've got real. No, but you know what I mean, like like that's all... Uncle Jack, or well, in your case, uncle you have an uh, titular Uncle Jack, but you have like sort of what they say a Dutch uncle. This is a Dutch an, cousin. Uh, well, his his mother was my was my aunt Mary Ellen, and her brother was my uncle Junius, but they weren't really. They were my second cousins. Okay, got it. But Alfie was the one that was. He was like six months younger than me. There are all these pictures of us in 1970 where the two of us are in a kiddie pool. Mm. But his mother. Um, was in, if you can believe it, the ultimate black sheep of our family. Like, if you think would of it, all would the most people agree. Oh yeah, including. So if you my, did, a, you did a newlywed she, game and everybody flipped their cards at the same time. Uh, it would all be Mary Ellen, and Mary Ellen took mm-hmm. Alfie, and she, um, she was living in Idlewild, California. But at a certain point, it was she had to escape to Laredo, Mexico, or hmm. she lived in Baja. She had a rule that kids under 10 shouldn't wear clothes. Like Mary Ellen was, oh. Mary Ellen was very troubling and troublesome and she's a difficult lady. But in the sixties and early seventies, at least Alfie and I had a lot of time where we were little kids together. Alfie now is a cement contractor and okay. Alfie came over and he, he visited my house, my, my, uh, my perpetually under construction house. And he said, you know what you need? You need a patio. And I'm a cement contractor. Okay. And I was like, well, that sounds amazing. And he was hmm. like, yeah, I'll just come over one day and I'll pour a patio. All you have to do is, is dig out the ground. And, you know, it's very hard for me to pick tile, but it's very easy for me to dig um, and rake and then re-rake and compulsively rake for weeks at a time a 30 by 15 foot piece of dirt mm-hmm. i pick the dirt every time i feel like if, i feel like picking tiles is just in that class of like professional gaslighting i sat out there with my rake doing this like i would go all the way down 31 feet this direction i'd turn around and go all the way back just making perfect rake lines and i was thinking to myself because dan benjamin says that there's some aspect of me that's like 15 percent of me is always meditating and that's mm. what makes it impossible for me to do the other 85 percent of meditating because I'm always just slightly 
meditating. I don't know what he what he's talking. Oh, about. it's like somebody who's perpetually falling asleep but never gets a good night's sleep. Kind of. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so I'm going back and forth with my rake, and I'm just like, wow, this is. I would do this if if I could do any project. If I could make a record album. If I could finish my house. If I could write a book of poetry. If what it took was just that at dawn I got up and walked back and forth with a rake mm-hmm. and did it in rain or shine, you know, for 12 hours and then yeah. woke up the next day and did it again, then I would be an incredibly successful person. Hmm. But what I re- because this is what I'm really good at. Okay. But so I did this and I was having the, just the time of my life, like, please let me rake this ground some more. Alfie came one day, uh, not very long ago. He brought his, um, he brought his his boards. He's a he's the rare cement contractor that works alone. He's a loner. Oh boy, that seems like the kind of job where, for any variety of reasons, it would be nice to have some friends, not just for the as you say heavy lifting, but there must be occasions. I think about me trying to set up my TV around Christmas, and I boy, I really could have used two other guys, and that's just the TV. Well, so he Alfie, brings boards. He brings boards, and he's he's a lone he's wolf. Kind of he Alfie one one day. One day we'll hear from Alfie. I'll tell this story, or I'll have Alfie on my on my podcast that I have it over at my Patreon. Okay, and I'm going to have Alfie explain his story because you a podcast Alfie, on your Patreon. Uh, yeah, I've started doing a, like a, a well, I do that one with my sister Road Rage, but I've started doing a monthly oh. one I interview my See, friends. I, I'm I, I have muted. I muted every notification with the subject line includes patron only, mm. so I don't I don't see that stuff anymore. I got to listen to that. John has a podcast. Well, Wow. I, had, I did one with Mike Squires. I got one coming up with Jesse oh Uyeda. I'm going to have my mom on there. I'm going to interview you, oh. although I know you don't want that. No, I'd love that. Just don't interview my wife, please. Oh, wow. What a great idea. No, Thank she doesn't for... have internet. She, it's a, <laughs> such a shame. She... But Alfie, <laughs> you know, when Alfie was 14 years old, he was living it alone in Puerto Vallarta working as a bartender. Hmm. <laughs> At a certain point. One of his brothers came along and was like, hey, I'm going back to the United States. Do you want to come? And he, I'm going to like open a, whatever, I don't know, a windsurfing shop in Olympia, Washington. Some dumb idea. Yeah. And Alfie was like, sure, I'll go to – and so then he was up here in, in Washington. He was like, wow, where are all the bars? Hmm. Uh, but he didn't realize that there was a different kind of bar. Mm. Uh, but Alfie, Alfie uh, started cement contracting when he was like – some guy came into a restaurant where he was bussing tables and was like, I've been watching you, kid, and I've got a job, you know, I've got a job for you. Really? Got him into so the cement So he, his heart is open. Yeah. He, he's ready for old. the universe to give him some kind of message. But then at some hmm. point along the way, he was like, you know what? Other people just make this harder. And he went out on his own. I totally and he became get that. Like I totally the, get that. He's like the most jamming, kick-ass ninja cement contractor guy. This is why I don't want to manage. I'd rather just do it myself. Just do it, right? Or do less that I can do. I mean, I'm not saying as a cement man or a black sheep, but like I I totally get that. Like I would rather just, I mean, and and just real quick, John, like when I used to have to, not have to, my kid went to preschool. It's called a co-op. Everybody helps out. And they wanted to put me on like making a website. Which you can do very easily with, say, Squarespace. But, um, but I was like, nope, nope, nope. Just if you, c- I'm happy to just go out and do some kind of like San Francisco version of hard labor. Like I'm mm-hmm. fine. Just have me go out and clean filthy toys, or have me rake the sandbox, 
or you know what I mean? Anything where I could just put on headphones and not have to talk to somebody. That's my rig. Yes. Cause I, I yes. would do a really good job of this and I will stay late and help clean up after all the normies leave. Cause I, I learned that at church, you always stay extra mm-hmm. long and then help That's the right. people who are helping. And then yeah. it makes you a helper, which Put is a good way chairs. to, it just makes you a better person. Um, yeah. but I do not want to try to find the password for the FTP site you haven't opened in several years. That's computer stuff. And, yeah. and I don't really want to have a conversation because if I talk to anybody in San Francisco, even if they're nice and go to a co-op preschool, if they're a co-op preschool parent, they're still going to be asking me lots of questions that basically come down to status and money. And I would rather listen to a podcast and rake. Absolutely. And, and I, I, I love Alfie and, and have always... I admire Alfie. I've never met him and I admire him. Well, and because Alfie's lived, Alfie's lived lived a thousand lives yes. um, before he was twenty five years old. You know, Mary Ellen uh, and her husband Bill Dubay, um, uh, they were married by Timothy Leary, hmm. and uh, their married their, their wedding was in Life magazine. Oh, uh, but they were into it. It wasn't like a like a Mooney's situation. Oh, it was like they, did they seek him out? They said, uh, "Dr. Larry, we would love for you to to." No, they were him. they were all friends. Bill Dubay, I think, married Timothy Leary and his wife. It was no. all like, oh was, my goodness, they were all like in the sleeping bag together. Okay, so this is you know Alfie's universe is like just when you think you just when you think it's safe to go back in the water, right? Mm-mm. And all of a sudden, Alfie's got some other story where you're like, "You what now?" Mm-hmm. But so I'm there with Alfie. See, I, I would, I, I just for what it's worth, I would, I would rake with Alfie because first of all, I don't think we'd have over much extraneous conversation about what uh, middle school you're trying to get them into. Um, and, but like it seems to me, I would learn from him. I would learn from his raking and his open heart. It's and hard. I, well, he I, I would not rake. be against that. He said this to me at the. He said this to me when I when he first said like you should have a patio. Mm-hmm. He said I'll do the cement, but I don't prep. And I was like, you don't prep. And he said, no, he I work alone. expectations. So I don't prep. You prep, and I'll come pour the concrete. Okay. So that's why I was raking. Alfie doesn't rake. Alfie doesn't rake. Okay. Alfie, um, hmm. I mean, Alfie, like, does a, does a very nice broom finish if you ask him for it. Hmm. But hmm. what happened, what had happened was, Alfie and I were standing there. We did all this work ourselves. I cleared the site. I did the raking. I leveled the ground. He came and he said, eh, it's not quite level, but it's fine. And then he set up his forms. And we're sitting there, and I said, so what happens now? And he said, well, a guy from the concrete company is going to come in a concrete truck. And I was like, right. I've been seeing those since I was a kid. Oh, the big turning barrel kind? Yeah, I always wanted to have an interaction with a concrete truck. Mm-hmm. Since I, It's one of the first things you see when you're a little kid. It's like, like, I mean, even before, when it comes down the chute, obviously, that's exciting. That's the money shot of, of a concrete great. truck. But just yeah. watching it turn lazily while you're waiting at a red light, that'll make a kid happy. Right. It made me so happy. I was always like, what am I looking at right now? Why is this truck so cool? So my whole life, I've wanted to have some reason to have a concrete truck uh, come to my house. And now I have one. Yep. And I was like, cool. All right. So, but he said, the other person that's coming is the concrete pumper. Oh. And I said, the concrete truck isn't. And then even as I said it, I realized how dumb I sounded. Of course, the concrete truck doesn't pump it. And so then I was like, well, what, who is this mysterious person? And he was like, the concrete pumper is is the key to the whole operation. Hmm. And he said, you know, I'm over here in Seattle. This isn't where I normally do business. I, uh, I called, 
I call the concrete company. They're all pretty much, I mean, they're all different. And if you're in the game, if you're in the game, mm-hmm. you're going to prefer one or the other. But I'm over here in Seattle. I, I, I just, you know, I picked a, a reputable company. But the pumper, I'm not just going to use some local pumper from here. I'm having my guy come over from Kitsap County. He's got a, he's got a guy. He's got a pumper. He's, he's got his pumper. So, so we sit there and up rolls this rattle trap truck and this guy jumps out and he, um, this guy's got a lot of charisma. Mm -hmm. He's a, he's a guy, uh, he's got, he's got long hair on the top and back, but, uh, shaved on the sides, Mm. Uh, Hmm. held up in a kind of uh, haphazard, kind of an early nineties industrial kind of look. That's exactly right. With a little bit of a man bun type of thing, but it's but it's com- kind of coming loose. That's a colorful pumper. And he's got this old truck that's got this crazy diesel motor on it that looks like it was taken from a submarine. Hmm. And uh, he's he starts it up and and he's put he's got hoses all over. And while he's working, he's talking. And he's talking about what comes to mind because he is not someone who ever thought i mean the thing is i don't know if he ever thought to himself what if i just talked less and was just like a oh, like a, I see. like a cowboy you know what if i was just a guy that just that just had a, a cheroot in his mouth mm. and he starts talking and he starts going and at a certain point we get over into the into the territory of is coronavirus real or is it a thing that got made by the CIA and the Chinese oh and the Martians. And you're going to have to go through a thing where it's like it's not even one, there's not even a, like a, a simple monad of argument to disagree about. There's a whole constellation of like unpacking how, what was your journey to get to whatever your wackadoo is. Well, and so as I say, my response to things like that, when a guy with a, with a, uh, a concrete pumping truck <laughs> and a, and a, a 90s industrial man bun uh, is uncoiling. You Your know, Terminator like, heads-up display is just running through all the options. Like there's 200 feet of articulated hose or whatever, and he's uh-huh. talking about how coronavirus may or may not be real. He's not willing to say. Uh-huh. I go... He's just asking the question, really. Well, that's right. And yeah. I go, right, 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 uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> Uh-huh. You brought a big bastard of ellipses. Well, because I'm loving it, right? Like, sure. tell me more. Like, I got zero dog in the this race. This is not the first it. time that this no. particular individual has thought about this. No, and I don't, I, I, I gain nothing by having any, by taking any side in this, right? Like, he, totally. Like, he's going to pump this concrete. I mean, are you at the pumper? Like, We're no. going to shake hands. But Alfie, who is, you know, he's our age. Alfie, who, who works with this guy quite a bit, does the thing where he, in very measured tones, explains to this guy why coronavirus is real uh-huh. and why, he sh- why his attitude is dangerous. And not in a way that is off-putting. The guy re- clearly really respects Alfie. Uh-huh. Alfie tells an anecdote about a fireman he met who thought coronavirus was fake and how Alfie felt like that was a very dangerous position for a fireman to take. And he just, he did the thing that I never do, which is address the concrete pumpers, bonkers 
soliloquy mm-hmm. and straighten him out. Mm-hmm. And at the end, the concrete pumper has got nothing. All he can do is like back out of the room and go like, well, I'm not saying, but anyway, I'm not saying, I'm just know, saying, yeah. Have you, uh, you know, did you see the, did you see the big game last night? Mm-hmm. And in that same situation, if Alfie had not been there, I would have, it's like in the old days when a Hare Krishna would come up to me in the airport, I would always stop. And I would let them talk until they expired and they never expire. They always find more air. And so I would say I'd I'd spend an hour and a half standing in the airport, listening to somebody talk to me about. (laughs) You probably missed some flights. I imagine. Rama Rama. Well, I had nowhere to be, you know, like I landed at the airport. (laughs) Play rock music. (laughs) You know, there was nobody coming to pick me up. At a certain point I was going to have to go find a bus. So why not Uh stand and talk to you? (laughs) I got all day. But, uh, but the idea, the experience, cause you have it all the time. Cause there are so many people I know who in that situation would have started arguing with the guy. And right. Right. He, and like, no matter how good you are at arguing, it's like the flat earth thing where it's like, you know what, you know more about your fake thing you think is true than I do about the real thing that's true. And, and it's very hard to like isolate the argument to just this one thing. Cause there's always another thing. And you start with, well, you know, actually, you know, this is really true and a lot of people get sick and tired. Yeah, but the media, but wait a minute. And you know what I mean? And you're all, you start chasing the same kind of like disordered thinking that leads to that sort of standpoint, don't you think? Now yeah, you're arguing, now you're arguing with someone. That's what's amazing about, it was amazing to watch Alfie do the thing that I've never been able that's to do. It's a gift, man. Which is to just... Very, in a very friendly way and, and, and not pedantically because Alfie doesn't put on airs. And I think that might be part of the part of it. He sounds plain spoken. He does not put on airs, right? Mm-hmm. He, he, uh, Alfie didn't go to college. Alfie was working in the bars of Puerto Vallarta when he was 14. So mm-hmm. Alfie doesn't put on any, he, he went, of, he went to the school of, uh, inland, uh, you know, uh, wave riding. Every kind of knock, not just hard ones. Mm-mm. Alfie went to the oh. school of all, all the knocks. A lot of people knocks. get a couple couple hard knocks and they think they graduated. They have matriculated, yeah. but they have not graduated. No. And Alfie's got Alfie's got knocks for days. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't, Alfie's not trying to tell you that he's got more of an education than you do. He's got, he's he's got no skin in the you. game, right? Well, I mean, he's... That, but I mean, he doesn't like... It's not like his he dignity. He does feel like he has skin in the game in the sense that he thinks that there is a, that there is a world of truth... Mm-hmm. And then there are uh, then there are things that aren't true, and it's and it's not connected hmm. to, uh, not connected to a, a an opinion about himself. That's what I, I guess. That's kind of what I meant. Is that like the, it's not like his dignity is bound up in a certain narrative that he's decided explains life. He doesn't have to be right, and oh, and he right. and, and you don't have to be wrong. Oh boy, oh, there's God. just a. Tr- there's true or there's not. Mm-hmm. And this guy that Alfie was talking to, I think he came out of that conversation feeling like maybe he wasn't wrong, but that he, I mean, I honestly feel like maybe he, he at the next job site, mm-hmm. probably said some of the things that Alfie said. You know, he went oh, to the wow. next job site and was like, you know, there's this fireman that doesn't believe in coronavirus and I think that's pretty dangerous. You know, it's just, Alfie has the kind of, He's, he was convincing because he was, um, cause he was just, uh, he, he was a vessel for, 
for what he believed and not a, um, he wasn't an agent of it. No, he wasn't a warrior in that particular exchange. Right. Mm -hmm. He was not, he was not an agent of an idea. He was just a vessel. And, and that was intentional. You could see him do it. He was doing it, um, he, because, because he works in the trades, right? And so, and he works in the trades in the county Mm. and in the fucking Kitsap County, which is like, Kitsap County is where Ben Shepard is from. Like Ben Shepard's the most, uh, advanced life form that ever came out of Kitsap County. Ben Shepard? He's the bass player of Soundgarden. Not the most advanced life form. Okay. To ever come I out see. of the world, but to come out of Kitsap County. And so you're working in the trade, so he must every day show up at a job site where there's somebody who's gonna who's trying to tell him that the that the earth is hollow. Mm-hmm. And he's just he's just methodical about um I don't think he even ever said no. Mm-hmm. He just and and the whole time I'm sitting there going Right, right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yes. Right. So the so the coronavirus was created. Oh, you're not saying it was. You're just saying some things point to. Well, in some ways, being- I don't want to discredit your thing that's become so important to me, the idea of a thought technology or, or an idea one tries on like a sports coat. But but there are certain kinds of people whose let's say whose ability to be persuaded has more fecundity. Maybe they have a, an open mind in two sets of air quotes where like they feel pretty swayed by the person they're talking to right now. We have friends right. like that. Yes, we do. Yeah. They're persuaded by the last person they talked to. Yes. And, but like maybe he, he has what he considers. And this is, a, again, there's a, there's a very, very popular uh, podcaster th- that I think does this a lot, which is, uh, and his name rhymes with Shmosh Mogan, and, and somebody who oh. just, who seems like a seeker. Right, somebody who seems like a sneaker, and they're just asking the question, and like they're just out there, like just open to all the ideas in the world, unconstrained by all of the ideology and um, sort of um, doctrine of yeah. all you quote unquote scientists. So he probably considers himself a pretty open minded person. The, the 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 pumper. Yes. Well, that's the thing. I think if you, well, it's the classic adage, right? The less you know, the Less you don't know, you don't know. Oh yeah, um, and yeah, I think that I think the pumper has a really good time because the the pumper, from the moment he got out of his car, I said, <laughs> you know, this guy's got something. Like I've, I've, uh, I haven't had all of the knocks that that some of my cousins have had, um, but I've been around enough to know that when I meet a guy who's the assistant managers of Popeye's chicken mm-hmm. <laughs> and you are, and he is clearly like the center of his world, um, that that guy is like, he's the big wheel, right? Like it, if, if you're the assistant manager and there are 10 people working for you and after work, you take them all out and get them high. And then, you know, and you've got one of those apartments where people can come by any time and you've, there's oh, always, you know, like the, uh, the Nintendo is always on and there's always, there's always pizza. You're like the, you're like, and you, and your girlfriend is going and she works over here at the Fuddruckers and she, her friends are like, you're the center and it may be a small world, but it's, it's a real world. You're the center of it. Mm-hmm. And this guy really had that vibe. Like I just, I instantly liked him. 
I thought he, he sounds was. charismatic. A lot of charisma and a lot of just like he's just got kind of a big guy energy, and you could you could absolutely see him um, after work sitting around uh, on some beanbag chairs with the with the other with the other uh, uh, Popeyes chicken people, mm-hmm. and he's the crew, holding the court mm-hmm. the crew right. Mm-hmm. He's holding court and he's talking about uh, the four horsemen of the apocalypse and he's talking about how. No one has ever seen uh, Johnny Cash and Jonathan Winters in the same room at the same time. Right. And people are like, wow, this guy's wanna, But if you, this is a lot, lot like an Elon Musk type situation in, 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 uh, in microcosm, which is like, if you're somebody who's not surrounded by people that feel empowered and able, well, let's just say, sometimes you, you shouldn't argue with the boss. If you want to keep enjoying that Nintendo and, uh, you know, and, and cooking up those uh, three-piece spicy white meats... You know, you'll be better off to not. You know, he's he's maybe he's not exactly like a Joffrey, but mm. like don't you don't he's not there to hear your opinions, uh, to contravene his questions. Maybe some of you know some of that. I mean, that's like over into the like bullying boss category. Yeah, I think, probably. I, there are just there are worlds, of course, where the most educated person in the room doesn't have to be that educated. I love that. And so you, you can be the smartest guy or the guy that's read the most books mm-hmm. um, and still not be tapped into like what the CDC, what the CDC's latest yeah, Sometimes story. being smart doesn't make you all that smart. Well, and that's the other problem. Like I often find myself in worlds where everybody in the room is so quote unquote, oh, just the devastating air quotes I'm making right now, mm-hmm. educated. Oh, education. You can't that, fake that. Well, but that no one in the room can have a, uh, no one in the room has any sense of what reality is. They're, they're, they're educated and their so education. They're kind of arguing about different things they read in different books or heard other people mention that were in books. That's what happened. They assimilated things they read mm-hmm. to the point that they have become, I mean, their attitudes, their And they're not riddled with self-doubt. It's always, it's always handy to be an adult who's riddled with self-doubt. And if yes. you feel like you are the final word, you know, uh, not the final word necessarily, but if you- Or the vessel gotta, of the final word. Vessel of the final word where you got to fucking answer for everything and you, you begin your sentences with uh, sounds like this, pff, mm. you know? Right. You, go, you know what I'm talking about? And it's like, well, right. you know, well, actually, you know, calculus, uh, you know, was, uh, you know, discovered in several different places or whatever. Except they say <laughs> it with a lot of decisiveness. <laughs> like it's something they read in, uh, I don't know, the Paris Review. Right. It's the decisiveness that's kind of the... I hate decisiveness. Oh, God. It's such a turnoff, John. It's I really such, don't like it. I mean, I get it when you're young. Like, if you're, and I'm not just saying this, no, no shade, no lemonade on teens, but, like, if you've reached 35 and you still think you know what the fuck is going on in the world, I don't want to be in your boat. Mm. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Well, I do, and I don't know what to do about it, because I... About which part? Well, because, You don't feel the need to reform these folks, right? I mean, you don't feel the need. And actually, there's a book I've been reading that gets into this. This is called High, high Conflict. And it's the idea that like in a high conflict situation, you eventually just develop contempt and scorn for people. And the only thing you live to do is embarrass them. And maybe that's not a great way to run anything, including a country. It's like if all we have for other people is contempt, like how do we get out of that? We hope we will humiliate people into agreeing we're right. Uh, but you don't the- do that, right? 
one of the best parts about my college education was when I learned that the that the governing principle it was I I'd, I'd been in the comparative history of ideas for a, for a long time and I'd never been you know I've been I'd been soaking in it right but I was not mm-hmm. I was not one of those like four years straight through college people as you know mm-hmm. I came and I went people were in charge other people were in charge there were fashion academic fashions came and went there's Gonzaga well, no, this was at University of Washington. But, no, I'm but just saying, I though, you've, been, you've moved around. I mean, you're not exactly a, an inland windsurfer, but, like, you've seen, you've seen a little bit of world. But to comparative an, history an ideas, the whole idea is... Yeah, go ahead. To be an undergraduate in 1990 or 87, and mm. to be an undergraduate in 2004, um, those are completely different universes. Really? Of, of college. Yeah, absolutely. What, what they... What was academically fashionable in 1990 and academically fashionable in 2010 are they couldn't – I mean so much has changed. Hmm. I mean you've had – you have a whole generation of people that were students that became teachers in that time. And it's a, oh, you know, it's a game of academic telephone but it's also just you know, different, different waves of thought and what seemed really novel in 1990 seemed really corny in 2000 but really novel again in 2010. I always – Always coming in under a new wrapper, always, you know, always a new set of authorities. But a lot of the work is based on the work that came before that also was not really, I don't ever really feel fully vetted. The, the, what was interesting to me was learning as I started to kind of take a more, uh, more of a leadership role in the department, still as an undergraduate, but just as an old man, you know, I'm, 35 years old I'm standing around I'm still a, I'm still a senior and so you know <laughs> they, senior. so they were like you know since <laughs> you're standing you a senior here, emeritus yeah well you you know here here will you grade these papers or whatever since you're standing around but realizing that the goal of college as they saw it as the leaders of comparative history of ideas at the time saw it Jim Jim Klaus and, and John Taves the idea was that a student came into Chid and left with more questions than they had when they came. Oh, that's good. Left with less understanding, less certitude, less um, less of a sense that they had the full picture. You know, they wanted kid, and 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 every every quarter at the end of the big class, there would you would see students kind of line up. And say like, wait, that's it. That's there's no. There's still a bunch of pieces missing from the puzzle box. Yeah, you didn't like at the, uh, the for the last month. I've been waiting for you to tie it up. Yeah, and and you never did, and then you just it, it, you just you laid out more and more loose threads right up until the last day, and then you close the book and say, "Have a nice summer." Yeah, and you know, and you could see you could see. Uh, kids that were really disturbed. And I remember that feeling mm-hmm. of being like, wait, 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 you can't do that. You can't just, you can't just leave me here. And, and then understanding that that was the point. That was what they were trying to do. Like, see you next quarter. We're going to give you even more to think about and less certitude. Like that was a, I think more than anything else I learned in college, that was the thing that had the biggest impact was mm-hmm. understanding that I was not here to come out the other side with an understanding. Uh, that wasn't what 
what this was about at all. Well, and especially an understanding that is has been tacitly or formally presented as a truth for all times. And that, I feel like, is a crime. If you go to college mm-hmm. and you're given that, and, and they say, like, here it is, here's what you've been looking for, yeah. um, that, that, is a, that that's a criminal enterprise is what that is. There's also, and I, I may be playing both sides of the fence because it's the sort of thing a liberal arts graduate does, but I, yeah. I, I also feel like, boy, I'm going to in trouble for this. Um, you know, there's a couple uh, concepts that I think are widely acknowledged as being the most wilting comeback or accusation of uh, that just ends the conversation, like because you've just got owned. One is of this course, a sick is, burn? yeah, kind of. One is hypocrisy. Once you accuse someone of hypocrisy, it's game over. Like mm-hmm. you found something that, and like we know, like, like we are, like I learned in eighth grade, a paradox is a statement that contradicts itself or appears to contradict itself. So, thank you, Mr. Self, uh, in eighth grade. I still think about that a lot. A paradox is a paradox. And in this case, uh, the one is hypocrisy. Oh, yeah, but then you did X, Y, Z. And it's like, oh, no, I am pwned. I'm a corn cob. You know, so that's, but that's not great rhetorically. And the other one, though, is uh, hypocrisy. And then the other one's science, where it's like, you, one can, and this might be a straw man, but I feel like I run into this. And maybe contra the fighting with the flat earther thing, but you go like, oh yeah, but the thing is, there's science. Science. And so, and science, and then you spray your science sauce all over whatever the topic is, like that's just going to end the conversation. And there's so many levels to that that are not as effective as with hypocrisy, the accusation of hypocrisy. There are so many levels to that approach that are not nearly as effective as they seem, because you're basically flashing your badge. You're, you're, and it may not even be a real badge, but you're flashing a badge to say, I, I speak for science. And if you really interrogate that a little bit, you know, well, you know, you know what one of the most basic tenets of science is, is that we come up with the best thing we can at the time. But like more, the most important part of what we do is being open to the idea that we're, we don't even have our ladder against the right wall that we don't even understand the scope of the problem we're trying to solve. But a constant curiosity, I mean, in, in theory, a constant curiosity to improve what we do, to learn more, and then update that, but to never arrive at this point where we go, now it's science, and therefore it's true forever. I mean, I think it's, I, I would think that that's people who are doing, like, good science, but then that doesn't mean that you get to go around and like mention something, a headline that you saw in Harper's about something and then declare that science. And it's like, well, is it peer reviewed? Is it like, you know, there's just all these different things. And I'm as guilty as anybody of this where like, I would just like to, I would like to flash my badge and go, well, the reason I'm not going to argue with you about COVID is because science. And I think that's, that's a fairly valid thing to say, but I don't think it's as effective as, as as some people think it is. And like so many of the great liberal tropes, it's actually, it works against you much more often than you realize. If you don't take into account the whole, if you're, if it's not what your goal is, is your goal to just flash your badge and be a dick and then walk away? Or is your badge to like have some kind of like, is your, is your goal to have some kind of a, I don't know, reasonable discussion where you learn a little bit. I'm not, I'm not married to this, but I do think that that's a real pointy-headed dick move to constantly be pulling out your science badge. And in this science. instance, my God. <laughs> the poetry in motion. 
But when you do that, like, okay, first of all, are you a scientist or are you are you somebody who heard a piece on NPR that's based on something that was a press release from a university about unreplicated? Res- I mean, whatever. I'm not going to get into that here because I'm not the science badger. Hmm. So it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. You know, I mean, do, 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 do you want to be right or, or do you want to be less wrong? Right. Well, <laughs> right. You know, I, right. Right. I, um, I, as a liberal artist, um, I am, <clears throat> I am now increasingly and now maybe completely convinced that the liberal arts are not sciences. Really? Is it more like computer math? Uh, I would even, I would even, uh, I'd give the, the hat tip to computer maths Woo-hoo. in that, in that case. <laughs> I love, yeah. I love, man, you're practically like an Alfie. You know what I mean? You're just out there. <laughs> you're just out there gathering. Can, can I give you one more response? And I do have to quote a TV show, but here's yeah, a response. Yeah. Here's a response I say a lot. It's just something I think about. There's an episode. A response? Is it a response? I'm a response in my best of Pinedos, which uh-huh. is that uh, this is a quote from, uh, there's an episode of uh, Mr. Science Theater, Christmas-related episode, very good episode. And uh, Joel is asking the robots, like, what they want for Christmas. And uh, everybody talks about what they want from this catalog. And then Crow says, I want to decide who lives and who dies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, Joel goes, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, isn't that kind of the response sometimes where it's like, yeah. oh, I don't know. Yeah. You know? I, I don't know. Sure. But, yeah, probably not. Yeah. Affirmative. Yeah. Do you, um, do you, should we keep talking like this when we come back next time? Well, or, I, or was this enough for, oh, wait, now I'm, see, now my energy's back up. I got to bring it back down. That's the thing. <clears throat> I feel like somewhere along the line, I lost my low energy because I started talking about something with you that, that I felt like, wait, 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 wait. I gotta, right. I gotta say a thing. <gasps> yeah. And, uh, and then it was, it was all, it was all gone. I didn't, I didn't need to put one tenth the amount of physical energy into this show that I did. Whoa. I could have just been, I could have done this whole show like this. Whoa. Wouldn't have taken anything. I would have been the Amy man of this show, just standing there in a three piece suit, not sweating a bit, just <laughs> letting the microphone do Wait, the work. She's in a three piece suit or you're her in a three piece suit. I'm, She's in a three-piece suit, and okay. I'm her in a three-piece suit. Okay. In her in a three-piece suit. Oh, I don't know. 